Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minnesota 59 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve it. I am world-weary traveller, Andy Stewart. And I am the disembodied voice of Mitch Bain. Yeah, but you're not in the walls, I'm looking at you this time. Yeah, yeah, so we are Skyping it once again, for practical reasons, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, given that I'm not long back in the country. Uh, after a, a fairly extended period of travel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that is uh, all too true. Yeah, how was your trip, though? <laughs> it was very nice. Uh, I ate plenty of pasta and stuff, so, uh, yeah, I drank <laughs> I drank big, giant beers. You showed me a couple of those. Yeah, they were formidable beers. They were a litre. A litre of beer yeah, in a yeah. can. And it was like one euro, It was like €1.50. <laughs> Good grief. The quality, That's than that. the quality wasn't great, if I'm honest with you, but, uh, yeah, you can't argue with that price. I suppose not, no, no. <laughs> so I'm going to hazard a guess then that during all this kind of time of being a world traveller and eating loads of pasta and drinking loads of beer, you haven't necessarily watched that much stuff this well, week? You would be right to say that, Mitch. I've watched uh, next to nothing. Um, that's reasonable. I think that under the circumstances, that's forgivable. Okay. Lucky for you, though, I have watched a rake of stuff this I, week. I thought that would be the case. Right, okay then, fire away. In my attempts to find a series to fill the Game of Thrones-shaped hole that currently resides in my life, I <laughs> have been kind of looking through the kind of Netflix stuff that people have been talking to me about for ages, and I'm, I made some time, caught the first three episodes this week, A Russian Doll. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's um, Natasha Leone from uh, Orange is New Black. Yeah. Um, plays this woman who, at her birthday party, she dies. I have seen this, by and the she, way. Yeah, and it leaps <laughs> back to the start. Yeah, I was going to say, so you've seen the whole thing? Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, how, do, how did you find it then? I really liked it. I thought it was great. I quite like it so far. I think that if I was going to say anything negative about it, I think that it's probably like a little bit too smart alky for its own good in times. Oh, right, okay. I sometimes think it's just like um, uh, you just kind of catch the characters having conversations that normal humans wouldn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes that just feels a little bit overwritten. But in terms of how the actual stories um, unfolding as it goes, but they're trying to figure things out every time and every time the loop starts again, I'm pretty into it. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no, so like, I'm start- enjoying it so far. Um, I think I, th- I think Natasha Leone is generally great and stuff, but I yeah. think that the way that the plot, the, the way the story is kind of progressively widening out, is um, really really interesting. So um, yeah, I'm 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 here for it. I'll definitely watch the rest of it. So sticking with it then. Absolutely. I would, yeah, suggest, yeah. Not... I would suggest you do. Cool. This will not be a this will not be a the Purge series uh, watch one in Dale situation. Did, I'm here for the long haul. Did you never go back to that? <laughs> oh Christ, no, no. I think I watched two. <laughs> Uh, and then I decided that no, no more. Uh, I drew the line. Film-wise, I have a couple. I watched Between Worlds. Oh, I've been wanting to see this for so long. Uh, which has landed on Netflix recently. I'm kind of annoyed that I went under my radar when I was doing the streaming platform stuff. But Between Worlds is on Netflix now. Nicholas Cage starring, uh, directed by Maria Palmera. Pretty interesting stuff. The story, like the the plot synopsis for this, had me at hello. Honestly, like so basically. Um, Nicholas Cage seems to be this kind of like grizzled trucker character who can also contact the spirits of the dead. Right, yeah. Um, 
basically this woman kind of recruits him to try and do this communication with her daughter who is in a coma eventually she wakes from the coma but when she and in this time Nicolas Cage has kind of formed this tentative romantic relationship with this woman and uh, when her daughter <laughs> awakens again everyone's delighted that she is awake and kind of back in the land of the living but she's also now inhabited by the spirit of Nicolas Cage's dead wife superb stuff superb yes i would tell you this is it's a really weird one i spent the entire time not being sure how seriously it was taking itself or how seriously it expected me to take it right but i think that if it sounds appealing on paper to anybody as like cage rage enthusiasts i would say that like everything that you suspect you're going to really enjoy about it you definitely will <laughs> uh, it's, all, a, it's also responsible for one of the best gifts i've seen in a long time uh is that the one that i made yes <laughs> Yeah, willing to share that with anyone who wants it. Um, I, I think yeah. we just we just share it alongside this episode because it, I'm amazed that that gift doesn't already exist. That it isn't massively doing the rounds. Yeah, I couldn't find it, so um, I, I thought that the world needed it. Um, so yeah, I, um, I got that done. Uh, yeah, I, like it's it's like I say, it's a really really strange one. Um, where it ends up going is pretty fucking baffling. But I think that like if <laughs> if you're in it, if you're in it for Cage just kicking off, then I would say that. Um, and just like just generally putting in kind of like, you know that thing where sometimes you get this kind of relatively measured Nicolas Cage performance where like there's these kind of like these moments of kind of um, lucidity in amongst all the madness. Yeah, I think people forget that he's actually a good actor. He just, uh, I don't know, he does things his way nowadays very much. I think that that's not a bad way of putting it. I mean like he stuffs varying degrees of crazy into absolutely every crevice of the film and every in every crevice of this performance. I there's not a single moment where he doesn't draw your eye. I would say, like I say, if you if you like just good old fashioned Nicolas Cage doing crazy things, this can't really miss. It's really good fun. Do you know what? That's all I want from him nowadays. I, I think you'll really like it. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to insist that you watch it and get back to me. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing to say that, uh, Andy, I think you'll really like this. Uh... Yeah, I'll tell what you want from that. So, the other thing that I watched this week, and it's one that's been on Netflix for a while, and I've kind of been shying away from it because the reviews have been extremely unkind, but... Um, uh, me and my flatmate watched The Open House this week, a Netflix original horror starring uh, Dylan Minnett, who people will possibly know from apparently 13, Re- 13 Reasons Why right, is okay. the thing that he's best known for. I know him from Goosebumps, the film. Yep. Uh, basically, yeah, he uh, plays a guy whose dad dies and him and his mom basically move to a house that is owned by a family member and they get to live there basically, but they have to leave every time people come to do an open house to try and sell it effectively. All right, okay. And some kind of strange stuff goes on and you have reason to believe that there is another person in the house. This got absolutely slated when it came out and in a lot of ways I can see why. Right, but yeah. it's it's a frustrating kind of film because the setup's kind of nice. I think it's shot really nicely and um, gets the best out of a couple of really cool locations and stuff like that. Performance-wise, there's not a hell of a lot wrong. To the point that about an hour in, I was kind of sitting there being like, I don't understand the absolute bile that's being directed at this because <laughs> I'm I'm having a pretty good time with it. Right. Um, however, um, I would say the, the last twenty minutes or so of it, especially maybe the last ten minutes, actually, is just an absolute like. I don't know if I've seen a film crater like this quite this much um, in quite a while. I read a review of it that described it as almost maliciously pointless. 
and I can kind of see where they're coming from in the sense that like um, it builds up quite a lot of goodwill and then squanders it almost instantly in basically one move. Right. Um. So it's like it's frustrating because it's probably about maybe two thirds or three quarters of a fairly interesting, if not particularly imaginative, chamber piece horror thing. But it derails just so spectacularly towards the end. Right. Have you ever seen uh, The Devil Inside? Um, uh, yeah. That's, um, worst ending ever, maybe? Uh, yeah, that's what I was kind of coming to. That, like, that's a film that just... It was, they've just went, you know, I'm bored making films now. And they just like stopped making a film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. M- making this film bores me. Let's just end it. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the worst tankings of a film I've ever seen as well. It was just like, oh... Yeah, I, I would say it's possible that the, the open house, I don't know if it's quite as egregious as that. The Devil Inside might be the worst example ever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, or the best example ever, I guess. But um, yeah, no, this the, the open house doesn't get there, Right, would be my summary. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's okay for a long spell, but it doesn't make it over the line. So uh, yeah, mixed bag this week, but some pretty fun stuff. Of the stuff that I've been watching, I would say, if I was going to tell you to get yourself onto one thing, it's definitely Between Worlds. <laughs> I'm definitely going to catch up with it. I might even watch it tonight. Oh, you know what? You could do a hell of a lot worse. So, one more for me. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, just as well you watched all this stuff or it could have been quite short. Anyway. Yeah. Managed to get one in this afternoon. Absolutely right on the buzzer. Right. I think you're going to be happy about this one. Phantasm. Ah, yay. Uh, Or is it a yay? It's very much a yay. Yes. It's very much a yay. Um, I got on board of this almost immediately and loved it pretty much all the way to the end. In fact, all the way to the end. I um, completely understand why uh, the tall man is an iconic horror villain. I understand this now. I understand so much more about this now. I want to watch them all now, although I'm aware that the quality is highly variable after this. I don't know when the decline starts or when the sequels start to get ropey or anything like that. But um, yeah. Love Phantasm. I can't say enough about Phantasm. I love it so very dearly. And uh, they, they do kind of drop off quite sharply. Um, I was going to say, can I get can I get just kind of like a very potted history of your opinion on the franchise then? Uh, sliding scale. Uh, well, yeah. Exactly that. Sliding scale. One oh, five. Like just like, oh, really? Just, just like, so how, but how sharply are we talking here? There's a lot of really good stuff in two. Three is bonkers, um, and uh, Reggie comes across as extremely predatory and creepy um, with a female character in it. Um, Four's just okay. Five, Phantasm Ravager, which is also, I guess, Angus Scrim's swan song. Really not great in my opinion at all. It's such that, a... That's the one that's like very recent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. only a, few, a couple of years old. Yeah. Yeah, not great at all. Much smaller budget and it kind of shows. It's not great at all in a, a sad way to kind of round out the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ugh, that is a shame. I mean, I think I'm definitely going to I'm definitely going to stick with maybe the first well, like the first two sequels at least and kind of see where it takes me. I mean, yeah, I would suggest watching them. Cool. Okay. So, Oh, nice. Feedback. Um, so this was always going to be a little bit of a beefier one this time because we obviously recorded a little early last week, which meant that we were without 
a lot of the feedback that people had about Nightmare on Elm Street 4. So one more big thanks to Morgan Peter Brown for joining us that week to talk Elm Street 4. That was a fun chat and a lot of people uh, got in touch kind of like after the buzzer for last week's one, kind of like after the cutoff. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go back and revisit some Elm Street 4, um, some Elm Street 4 stuff because loads of people can get in touch. Twitter first, then Zombies Lou. Now, that was a great episode. This Freddy fan sends thanks to all involved. Remember, sleep kills. And there's a picture there of him with uh, Robert England himself. Yeah, and also nice to put a face to the name. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always nice. Always yeah. nice. Uh, Chelsea Bobden at Chelsea V. Uh, still no clearer on how we're actually pronouncing that. Um, yep, yep. Getting in touch to say, stuck on Nightmare on Elm Street 4 for this week's Strong Violent PC, and five minutes in, I realise I have seen this before. Oh well, it's on now. Hashtag, it's not Nightmare Without Nancy. Ah, there it is. I suppose that's fair. One great considerations from Darren Gaskell. <laughs> sure. I loved Dream Warriors and still do, so when I first saw the Dream Master, my reaction was no, no, no. Just goes to show <laughs> what a humorless prick I was back then. Elm <laughs> Street 4 goes for it in a big way, and yes, the quips are all rubbish, but the set pieces are brilliant. A dog that pisses fire. A girl transforming into a cockroach. Tortured soul-flavored pizza. It's batshit and it doesn't care. It's still no, nowhere near as good as its predecessors, but on its own illogical, big-haired, MTV-soaked terms, I've come to enjoy it. I think that that is actually a pretty much spot-on assessment of Elm Street 4. I agree. Uh, I enjoyed it much more this time around than I certainly did previously. I I find that a lot with it, and it's something we've talked about a lot before with sequels. And I think that like um, a sequel that's disappointing in the moment for not being necessarily what you'd expect it to be or what you've come to expect mm-hmm. from a franchise. I think that you that's the kind of thing I'm most likely to get more forgiving about with every passing year kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the, like the more time there is between seeing it and what your expectations were, I think that the more likely you are to be kinder to it on reflection. I think I agree with you. Um, our man, film fan Stevie on Twitter, he was looking forward to this one. My normal Friday morning tradition has turned into lunchtime for me this week. For me, this week's Strong Violent PC is the most anticipated since the Fright Night and Howard the Duck episodes. Um, sticking with Elm Street, Mitch, there was a lot mm-hmm. of love for the song that we put at the end of the episode. Uh, are you oh, ready? really? Yeah, Are You Ready for Freddy by uh, the Fat Boys and uh, DJ Freddy Krueger. Okay, okay. Let, let's hear it. Who showed up for this one? <laughs> Caitlin Downs getting in touch to say, was not expecting my Friday evening commute to end with Freddy Krueger rapping, but it was a pleasant surprise. Thanks, Strong Violent PC. Um, <laughs> you are very welcome. Uh, also weighing in on the discussion about uh, Are You Ready for Freddy, we have Saltired Popcorn at Saltired ah, yes. Popcorn saying there needs to be a poll for best franchise song. Can Dawkin fend off the fat boys? Would both have been overshadowed by A Nightmare on My Street by Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince? Uh, which apparently is still on YouTube, so you should uh, check it out. I did not. I, I, I didn't know that was a thing. Well, neither did I. No, neither did I. Um, we also oh, wow. have a new person alert here in the form of Gregory Kimball at Gregory underscore Kimball saying, okay. "At Strong Violent PC, the Freddy rap was absolutely incredible. The longer it went, the more I was in awe." Fair enough. And uh, welcome aboard as well. Nice yes, to have you here. Yeah, lovely. Uh, I hope you stick with it. <laughs> Yeah, with any luck. Um, I do have uh, a little more on Elm Street 4. Paddy Murphy at Paddy Base on Twitter as well, getting in touch. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of familiar with his work. He said, finally catching up on Strong Violent PC and listening to the Elm Street 4 episode with the always wonderful Morgan Pete Brown. Funnily enough, I also loved this one when I was a kid. A lot of kind of long-standing affection for this coming forward, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, I think so. Um, and while I didn't share it in my youth, I'm kind of getting the point of it now. Do you have any more on Elm Street 4? I don't. Four? 
No, I don't. No. I have one more on Elm Street 4 before we move on. Right, okay. And that's uh, John Paul Fitch. I'm a relative newcomer, regular contributor these days. Always nice. Uh, good to have you on board, John. He said, really enjoyed the Nightmare on Elm Street 4 episode. I completely wiped this movie from my mind, but as the episode went on, it kept coming seeping back into my brain. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you. We will certainly try. Yeah, we'll do our very best. <laughs> so, um, moving away from Elm Street 4 and moving onwards to Stage Fright, which a few people came forward and had some things to say about. And also, um, just to the point that we kind of had a deliberate Andy and Mitch episode last week. Yes, it was with forethought. Yes, it was, for a change. But uh, Caitlin got in touch, scared cheapless on Twitter, saying, for a second at the end of today's Strong Violent PC, I thought that they were going to announce that there'd be no show on Friday to have a well-deserved break. Selfishly worried about my Friday commute having to change soundtrack. Admire the commitment with so much going on. <laughs> uh, we will attempt to endeavour to keep these episodes coming on schedule. And so far we have done that. We've never missed a release day, so... Uh, uh, yeah, for better or worse, we'll keep it going. Yeah, we do, we do our best to keep these things ticking uh, <laughs> as regularly as possible. I think I think we do just about okay. I think so. Um, yeah. So stage fright though. Um, so yeah, we had a chat about that, and uh, yeah, you came up reasonably warm on stage fright. I would say. Yeah, were you surprised by that? Yeah, maybe a little. Maybe a little. I don't know. I would say yeah. I'm gonna go. I would say that I. Didn't expect you to dislike it as much as you've disliked some of the other ones that I've picked, but I would say that I probably also wasn't prepped for the level of enthusiasm that you did have for it. Okay, fair enough. But Darren Gaskell got in touch with us some considerations on this one as well. It played on Sky Movies a while back, which is where I first saw it. Shame that Mini Driver isn't in it more, but as a whole, it's pretty decent, and at least it gets to where it's going pretty sharpish. It does fall over itself in painting one particular character as the killer, which really doesn't help the eventual reveal. Also, the extra twist about the original murder is a tiny bit hard to swallow. <laughs> Still worth a watch because it has more than enough entertaining moments. As horror musicals go, Anna and the Apocalypse is a lot better. I'd be inclined to agree with pretty much all of that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, we talked a little bit about the fact that, um, uh, about the kind of like the intentional and unintentional misdirects that go on all the way through that film. And I think that for as entertaining as it is, the actual route to finding out who the killer is and the logic behind it is heavily flawed. Yeah, it's uh, like there's really little care actually spent to even remotely hinting that it could be Buddy the Brother. No, and I think that, and I think I said it at the time in the episode. I think that the fact that it's the fact that it is surprising when it happens does not speak to the quality of the twist. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because you're like, oh, I didn't see that one coming, doesn't mean that it's good. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like sometimes you don't see it coming because it's literally the most implausible thing of the available, um, which is possibly what happened here. I think um, it, it very much, very well might be. But a real mix of um, a real mix of opinions on this one. I found uh, you got anything positive? Oh, um, yeah, I've got a bunch of stuff on Instagram here. Uh, we'll kick off with our old pal Scout yes. the Horizon, Mitch Harrod, previous guest, of course. Ah, yes. Actually, mm -hmm. two-time guest. Yeah, technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. First talking Soho Horror and then talking uh, Cedar Chucky. Yes, he says an absolute solid win because anyone that dislikes this movie, also being careful to say of which there are many, says are frankly due a neurological assessment. Can't believe this got stolen <laughs> from my picks list though. Yeah, this was actually um, in the original list that Mitch sent over when we eventually settled on Cedar Chucky. Stage Fright was on his list. Yeah, yeah, uh, but sadly it's now done, so that list has been shortened. Snakebite reviewers getting in touch to say love this film, went down really well at Fright Fest. Back on mm -hmm, track level. Sure well. Our old pal Boz uh, mm -hmm. getting in touch to say best soundtrack ever. The credits song also genius. I'm afraid I'm going to have to disagree with Boz. That I wouldn't say it's the best soundtrack ever because... Um, like I say, I don't find the songs particularly memorable. Um, no, I would say that's fair on first. I would say that's fair on first watch. What I would say is, um, and I know that in our haste to get through and record uh, last week, I don't know if you've heard the credits song, but he is correct. The credits song is very funny. 
yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I, did, I did listen to the credits song. We did, we did, uh, we did get through that. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, with the anti-piracy warning and all that stuff. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah. Fat Man Talking Podcast got in touch and said, "Not <laughs> sure. sure anyone, not sure that anyone can defend this." My response to that is, "Fucking watch me." <laughs> uh, Magic watch Mercer me. getting in touch to say, "Is it even humanly possible to dislike this film?" See previous comment. I- I was going to say, John, I mean, um, I, I love it as much, if not more, than the next guy, but the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Yeah, Fat Man, whatever, Fat Man Scoop didn't like it. <laughs> Fat Man Talking Podcast. Ah, right. Uh, yeah, not so hot on that one. Um, I, I, I wish Fat Man Scoop was a regular listener. Oh, man, yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> I have... Who's uh, fucking tonight? I believe, Who's fucking um, tonight? <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I have one more, and it's uh, it's kind of about stage fright, and it's a funny one from Facebook. Uh, James Patrick Duffy, our old pal, getting in touch. Oh, uh, finally understands why Mitch needs his pitches in the Shockwaves 100 for increasing his viewing. Stage fright scene with the homages. Andy spots Hellraiser. Mitch spots Mean Girls. It all makes sense now. <laughs> That's our relationship all over, Mitch. I suppose it is, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, just, I don't know if there's a better crystallization of our dynamic than that one point. <laughs> yeah yeah I've got another one on stage fright here and it's uh, frankly it's a bit of medical information coming from Dr Lauren McIntyre wonderful during the course of watching the film Mitch we speculated as to whether or not the falling light uh, could have impaled Artie's foot to the stage and we, we thought yes. probably not yeah we did think that that was going to be a little bit of a stretch so uh, Lauren inevitably will know better than we will what's her take she says, I don't think that object would have impaled that guy's foot. Probably more of a crushing injury, possible laceration, but his shoe may have prevented that. There's more information on crushing injuries below. Don't look if you're squeamish. And she has, in fact, uh, linked to podiatrytoday.com, um, which is a, has a, a guide to treating crush injuries. Oh, wow. I am uh, always impressed by Lauren's willingness um, to have a little bit of a bibliography with her posts when it comes to these things. Yeah, and frankly, a willingness to disgust. Yes. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a, a very ready willingness to discuss. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got anything else on stage fright? I have a couple more things, but they're kind of general. I'm cleaned out on stage fright, but I do have something that I just want to touch on quickly. Dave Cooper at Deluxe underscore Man dropped a little message off about Lord of Illusions. Uh-huh. Uh, he says, you bastards at Strong Violent PC. Um, firstly, thanks. <laughs> you made me buy Lord of Illusions director's cut. I've never seen it, but Scott Bakula and Famke Janssen is too good to pass up. Mm, I know some people that would agree. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, and while we're on the subject of uh, Dave Cooper, a uh, massive thanks to Dave who slung us a few quid onto our PayPal. Yeah, big thank you for that. Um, obviously, there's um, uh, everything's always going to be free, but we do have some uh, some costs that we need to kind of cover uh, week on week. And big thank you to Dave for uh, stepping up and giving us a wee hand with that this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, man. Um, and yeah, I hope you keep enjoying the show. Yeah, me too. I have one more thing, and it's actually from, uh, it's in reference to a film that I mentioned last week in the What Have You Been Watching segment. All right. Namely, Freehold. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, of course. Which I enthused about a little bit. The Shake 72 uh, got in touch saying that he was uh, he was going to be settling down to watch that one evening. And um, so I gave him a shake back and just told him, uh, let us know what you thought of it. And he said, an entertaining one, not one to snack through. <laughs> no, no, no. Shades of that episode of Inside Number 9. Dark humour, 10 seconds of Zam with the locksmith, stretched a bit even within short runtime. Pepperoni pizza, exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, but I mean, like, so I'm just realizing if you're not au fait with either or both of those references, that tweet will sound like borderline incomprehensible, but I do know what you mean. And I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. That just about wraps up my uh, feedback for this week. You the same? I don't have anything else. Well, in that case... It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches, and for anyone who's unfamiliar, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be of a, it'll be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will Photoshop out any text, uh, titles, tagline, anything like that. All that will be left will be the image. My job will be, of course, to describe the image to the best of my ability and also give the film a title and a synopsis. Yes. So, last week we headed to Sequel Town <laughs> with Piranageddon 2, The Swamp Man Cometh. Yeah, but... Uh, which was uh, my iteration of Humanoids of the Deep. <laughs> Correct, yes it was. Now, we have had a load of people get in touch um, this week once again, and um, uh, I'm not going to be able to read them all out. What I would say is, if you're looking to have one read out, I would keep it to maybe two paragraphs. Yeah, yeah, because some of them have been, like like we've said before, close to like a treatment. Yeah, some some incredibly vivid stuff, which I um, which I appreciate. But just the, the, uh, we can't have this segment take up the entire second half of the show. <laughs> so um, yeah, um, what I would say is um, head on to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and have a read through some of the submissions this week because people's imaginations have been going haywire once again. But yeah, some of the ones we've got this week: James Plum, Mad Science Films on Twitter. I've seen this one: Merchant Ivory's 1986 feature, Waving Not Drowning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Tony Constantine, when an unruly hen party descends upon the unsuspecting residents of Fannystown, County Wexford. <laughs> town, town elders Rags McGinty and Buster McCrab conspire to rid the people of this blight by offering the girls as a salty sacrifice to Fannytown's seaweed-encrusted demonic deity. Now the only person who can save them is the one man who swore to never again raise his fists in anger. Disgraced ex-junior flyweight boxing bronze medalist punches a hooligan. <laughs> Can Punches overcome his own demons in order to save them, or will he crack under the pressure? The gloves are off in 1976's Fish of Fury, The Legend of Crystallicus, Salty Bastard of the Irish Sea. (laughs) (laughs) Does for the Irish tourist board what the Wicker Man did for the Scottish tourist board. Well, like that. Uh, Kevin Matthews, the devil is about to rise, making waves while bringing with him an army of seaweedy demons in the once lost Hammer horror film, now lovingly restored by 88 films, Satan's Little Kelper. <laughs> St- starring Donald Pleasance as Barnacle Bill, Christopher Lee as Lord, I can do this, Lord Bladderrack Smythe III, and Veronica, and Veronica Carlson as Imperiled Buxom Bathing Beauty. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yes, uh, thank you. That was a struggle. And of course, Chris Sol, Oblong Pictures on Twitter. Yes. Ejected from the annual Mudhook Bay Star Trek convention for not being able to do the spot can thing, college co-head Misty Bunting takes a late night <laughs> stroll along the seafront. But when she stops to untangle a cursed deck chair, she unwittingly awakens a sadistic demon of the deep in Corky Kevorkian's Barker-Bothering knockoff, Kelp Razor. Tagline. <laughs> Tagline's beautiful here, i got to say. She smells sea hell on the seashore. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that's um, that's a selection from uh, this week's pitches. So, uh, first off, we need to pick a winning pitch. Chris Salt. Chris Salt, fair enough. Kelp razor, love it. <laughs> and um, uh, 
best character name. I'm I'm actually going to give it to also to Chris Salt for best director name. <laughs> Corky Kevorkian. Corky Kevorkian. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I I'm happy with that. So our first since we introduced the second prize, it's our first ever double winner. Jesus Christ! He's going to be drowning in nothing. Chris Salt, honestly, yeah, two lots of nothing, two full consignments of nothing. Now winging their way to you by drone. My God, <laughs> you'd be amazed at actually how much the drone running costs are. Yeah, that, like, see those costs we're talking about, they're not hosting fees, it's all the drones. Yeah, yeah, we're never done with these drones. <laughs> Fucking hell. Right, your turn then. Uh, so, yes, to me. Right, okay, here it comes. Okay. Oh, wow, okay. Not too much going on. Um, I suppose not, although a decent amount. Yeah. Um, uh, so, our background here. It looks like we're kind of backlit by a setting sun with some rays coming from it. But, but um, basically, the backlighting is red into blue, top to bottom, no, bottom to top. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mitch. But, but as a result, it's you've kind of got this red, white, and blue thing going on, which kind of puts a little bit of kind of like a kind of patriotic thing in for me. Okay, okay, okay. Like kind of that's kind of what, that's kind of what I'm seeing there. We also have um uh, a guy who's kind of dressed like Ash from Evil Dead. <laughs> okay. In like a, like in like uh, jeans and um, a bright, uh, kind of uh, like a blue button-up shirt, which is heavily ripped, and uh, he's kind of lurched forward because he's being dragged. Lo- he looks like he's being dragged along by his right arm by a tall monster uh, who seems to have four fingers on each hand. Um, <laughs> uh, is kind of orange. I can't really see what he's made of, but it kind of like. But you can see certainly that he has got a very large mouth that is full of fangs, uh-huh. and it's kind of standing in a kind of uh, kind of. Kind of half menacing, but half posed. <laughs> uh, yeah, it kind of looks like it's like it's like a, it's, it looks like a candid photo of this monster rather than you know anything. Right. Okay. No. No. Uh, no it looks like he's but he's looking like he's dragging this man along. It's kind of difficult to see what he's standing on or what he's backlit by. It just kind of looks like it's kind of just looks like kind of like paving. <laughs> but yeah, that's just about it, I think. And uh, the border for anyone who's interested is a single black line running around the perimeter of the photo. Everyone's interested, Mitch. The people just want to know. People are starving for border talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take yeah, us to yeah. border town, Mitch. <laughs> okay, I will, as always, need just a moment. Sure. How's it going? How are you getting on? Um, I think I'm about there. Okay. Are you happy to proceed? Yes. I have got a synopsis, title, and a tagline. Go for it then. Go for it then. Okay. When introverted agricultural apprentice Elmer Bunch falls in love with his employer's beautiful daughter, Mary Sue, he believes (laughs) that his best chance at winning her heart is to become the talk of the town in the only way he knows how, by cultivating a prized pumpkin for the upcoming state fair. (laughs) Following the fortuitous discovery of a book on local farming superstitions in the family's basement, Elmer recites an ancient incantation thought to ensure a thriving fertile harvest. However, things soon go awry when instead of pumpkins, the seeds instead spawn 10 feet high monsters bent on wreaking havoc. It's 1979's Seeds of Chaos, Farmhand Death Farm. This summer, (laughs) you'll reap what you sow. (laughs) Wow, okay. Good stuff, Mitch. Good stuff. Uh, Would you be surprised to learn that that's not what it is? Please explain to me the extent to which I'm wrong. Uh, well, we're going back to... Wait, what year did you say? 
I said seventy-nine. Oh well, you're not a massive. You're not a million miles off. Nineteen eighty-three. Okay, okay, I'll take that. And the film is The Being. The Being. Okay, what's The Being about? Cool. So this one is coming from IMDb contributor Jeremy Lunt. Nice rhyming surname with one of my favourite words there. Indeed, um, yeah. Toxic waste dumping in a small Idaho town turns a young boy into a horrible mutant monster. The town's police chief and a government scientist team up to stop the monster, which is quickly killing off the town's citizenry. Excellent. Yeah, it's, uh, by I, the way, don't I, be fooled into thinking it's excellent because it's not. Oh, is it bad? Yeah, it's not great. Oh, well. Not, not at all. <laughs> but yeah, the being. Okay, the being. All right, well, um... I'm kind of, I'm pretty, pretty much convinced at this point that somebody out there can do better than the being and can also do better than me. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that image is everywhere, friends. Go forth, get posting. We love hearing from you. Yes, we do. Keep them coming. Thank you. And now, Mitch, tell me what's yes. coming to streaming platforms, please. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to come out of the gate and say that uh, Amazon Prime, it appears, does not have very much at all this week um, in terms of horror. Pick of the week, certainly, for Netflix, and I think something that I would imagine a lot of listeners to this show are going to be interested in. You've got season three of Stranger Things, London. Oh, fuck, is that that, that, that soon? Jesus. Yep. Right, July okay. 4th. Yeah, fine, cool, yep. great. Uh, so Sky slash Now TV, I actually missed it last week, but um, The Nun has landed. It's there now. <laughs> if you want to do that to yourself. I mean, I'm telling you it exists. I'm not telling you to watch it. And on the 4th of July, we have the film Fright Fest. All right, okay. Yeah. Uh, which which played at Fright Fest this year. And um, I saw about maybe 10 minutes of it. Did you walk out? Uh, not 10 minutes. That's, uh, that's unkind. It was maybe about 20, 25. But yes, I walked out. I found this to be a fairly joyless experience, and I was very, very tired. However, just in case you're curious, Fright Fest, that venal politician Fowler, played by Kresh Novakovic, Hits on the idea of using the local abandoned mental institution to host a Halloween horror film festival <laughs> as a means of boosting his re-election hopes. However, when a bus carrying prison inmates crashes, the survivors turn up at the asylum with murder on their warped minds. Ugh. So if anybody watches this and wants to tell me if the final hour of this is any better than the first 20 minutes, then please do. But um, yeah, I kind of ran screaming from this one after a little while. <laughs> um, and finally, uh, Shudder. I can confirm this is a Shudder UK um, as well. I did my homework on this one. But on Wednesday, July 3rd, we have the premiere of the Shudder original film, Party Hard, Die Young. Okay. Uh, synopsis there. School's out, so Julia, her friends, and thousands of fellow graduates are on their way to an island resort in Croatia, and it's supposed to be the party of their lives. The harmless fun soon turns deadly serious when Julia's friend is killed, and it probably wasn't an accident. Slick, stylish, and loud, Party Hard, Die Young is in the tradition of the best post-scream slashers. Shudder original from the director, Dominic Hartle. Wonderful. So that's available there from Wednesday, and that is uh, just about your lot for the streaming platforms this week. It's difficult for me to not say that the pick of the pile this week is Stranger Things Season 3. Unless it's shite. Unless it's shite, but who's to know? Yes. I would say on paper, yeah, going like looking at, looking at this on paper, I would say that my money's on Stranger Things Season 3. Okay, cool. That's fine. So, looking ahead to this week then... This week, yeah, going to be a good one, I think. This man, this writer, uh, is cropping up everywhere right now. An incredibly threatening intro there, Mitch. Yeah, this man, um, this writer. He is, um, but he is, he is turning up everywhere right now. Uh, you may have seen pieces of his for Scream, uh, Bloody, Bloody Disgusting, Blumhouse, Enemy uh, Horror. It's Howard Gorman. Yes, indeed, Howard is joining us to talk about a film that 
I just love, uh, I, I love almost more than life itself. It's hardwired into the DNA of this podcast almost as much as things like uh, Slugs and Chud and things like that. It's mm-hmm. a former Mitch's Pitches film. It is indeed. You may remember it from our first ever live show in which you identified it incorrectly as... Feel the Burn. Feel the Burn, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, we are, of course, talking Death Spa. It's Death Spa. I cannot wait for this. This is a dream come true for me to be talking Death Spa. Yeah, it is a very exciting time. So Howard Gorman is joins this, us. Is this, in fact, Mitch, the first Mitch's pitch that has found its way to a, a main episode? I believe it's true. Yeah, that, I think it is. And we've certainly, we've had Shotwaves 100 ones before. Yes. Uh, pieces and Pumpkinhead at the very least. Um, but yeah, I think this is the first Mitch's pitch film that has cropped up again as a selection. And it's taken 60 episodes for that to happen. I can't yeah, it's gonna I be love great. this film. It's superb. Howard Gorman joins us episode 60 this Friday to talk Death Spa. If you want to get in touch with us between now and then, you can do so by all sorts of means. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and you can email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. Yes, and as you know, there's tons of places you can listen. I don't care where you're listening. I'm just glad that you are. Um, but why not check out Spotify, iTunes, or our home app, Podbean? And if you are doing that and uh, you feel like uh, lending us a wee hand, by all means, uh, smash that subscribe button or that like button, leave a rating or a review, all that kind of thing. All these things big do make a difference and we really do appreciate it. And please, please, if you, you like what we're doing and you know anybody who also may like what we're doing, then please tell them to check it out and maybe smash that subscribe button themselves. Of course, of course. Yeah, word of mouth's been a big one for us so far. Um, and we really appreciate everyone that does that as well. Yeah, we do. So we're back Friday talking Death Spa with Howard Gorman. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.